this week in what has to go down as the worst news week Marvel has had in at least a very long time. We learned that Marvel Entertainment effectively no longer exists, being absorbed into Disney after the firing of Ike Perlmutter. A good thing, but with potentially really, really dire consequences. Victor Victoria Alonso was fired, and now we're learning new details about a clash that she had with Marvel that paints them in a horrible light. All while Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania's series-low box office performance has people asking if Marvel has lost their magic. And of course, the horrible news about Kang actor Jonathan Majors. A key piece of their Phase 5 and 6 plans was arrested for domestic violence against his girlfriend. Marvel has had a no good, very bad week. And we are going to get into all of it and what it means for the company going forward. The gang's all here. And that is the topic that we're going to be starting with on this week's edition of the Comics Pals. Thank you for watching. If you are live, for watching later, we appreciate you too. Let's waste no time and dive right into it. Marvel's week has sucked, huh? Yeah. All yikes and all Boy. different. <laughs> <laughs> I will give them that. It's a very diverse amount of suckage. <laughs> I mean, everything has gone bad. It's crazy. Let's 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 start with the good. The one good, right? The good that became the bad. I we did a whole uh what was that like an hour special, an yeah. emergency <laughs> live about, yeah, in the middle hour. of the week to talk about Ike Pearl Mutter and to talk about the dissolution of Marvel Entertainment and what that could lead to. So we won't, you know, talk too too much about that, but I'm I still feel pretty grim about that. I did see a report that there was a lot of uncertainty still at Marvel, but um, I do have something good to report, something oh. positive. Yeah, at least this, this is yeah, this is coming from Rich Johnson over at Bleeding Cool, and according to him, um, things are a lot less grim right now than they sound like they are. So I'm going to read just right from his article. A lot less grim than they will be in the future. Right. Uh, so this is what this is what Rich said. Quote, there is to be no dissolution of Marvel Comics publishing comic books out of New York with the current staff. This did not change when Disney bought Marvel, and it isn't changing now. Words like, quote, redundant don't reflect the reality of Marvel Comics or their position within Disney, where they are seen as both valuable agency and a creator of new IP, tested in the comics market, then turning it into movies, TV, games, and more. But they are not a loss leader or a funded research company. The publishing division of Marvel Comics continues to make money for Disney in its own right. Ironically, the kind of thing that Ike Perlmutter made sure of. Marvel remains the largest superhero comics publisher, saw their sales increase during the pandemic, and remained profitable for Disney then and now, and there is no incentive to absorb Marvel within Disney publishing yet. Hmm. So it's a great, great report from Rich Johnston that 
basically solidifies the idea that as long as Marvel Comics continues to do what it has been doing, it probably will remain its own thing. But Disney does have a publishing arm. So what that could mean for Marvel down the road, we don't know. Potential consolidation at that point is, I mean, if you're trying to cut costs, like, makes sense. Right. That also reads like, uh, you know, uh, let me make sure if I have this reference correctly, but like, there is no war in Bossing Say sort of thing. Mm. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, I've never watched Avatar, but I understand that. No, reference. you're a hundred percent correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it sounds like a, a a PR thing that's like, oh, don't worry, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. We're all good here. It's fine. But usually, stuff like this, we don't see stuff happening until what at, at minimum six months later. Yeah, yeah. Until mm. it's until it's already been worked out on yeah. the back end, and then we're seeing yeah. it play out, right? Yeah, I agree. Who who publishes their Disney stuff? Is that also under? I think it's um, Penguin. Yeah, I was about to say, is it? It. I think it's published by them, but but I think I'm I'm pretty sure based on the article that I just read that Disney has a Two book arms. arm to it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so <clears throat> Jess uh, has started working at Paramount, um, and so she works in their publishing division, and through that, I know that Disney sort of has one that's very similar, um, and Paramount covers like Nickelodeon and like all of their uh, properties, right? So she works on a lot of the uh, the Ninja Turtles books and the Avatar books. And there's one other one that I can't think of. But because they're so spread out and weird, it still all falls under Paramount's umbrella. <clears throat> so it's entirely possible that, you know, Marvel just becomes Disney or something, you know. Right. Or they they stay you know they stay Marvel, but that is you know Marvel a uh, Disney subsidiary. Something I've seen has been um, like potentially just moving the rights to have somebody else publish. Um, uh, there was stuff in the Discord about like how certain lines have shifted back to their original owners, like Star Wars. Might potentially go back to Dark Horse to some degree. That's as far as I know, that's not true. Yeah. I mean, Marvel's publishing Star Wars comics, and I haven't seen any type of indication that they won't going forward. I think I know IDW has the they or Dark, maybe it's Dark Horse, IDW or Dark Horse publishes some kind of Star Wars comics. Yeah, yeah. But not like Marvel publishes the large majority of Star Wars comics. Hmm. Yeah. I think they only publish the the High Republic stuff. I don't know. Even yeah, they're they. I believe they have a High Republic book, but Marvel yeah. does as well. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't understand what's going on there. But um, all right. So I oh by the way, I, I I keep seeing it in the chat. This is not coming from Disney. This what I just read from the Bleeding Cool articles coming from Rich Johnston. This is the scuttlebutt that he is hearing. I guess it could be bullshit coming from people that are trying to, you know, uh, make him think a certain thing or make him report a certain thing. But I don't really believe that. I feel like he's probably speaking to people who are speaking off the record that 
don't really have a reason to lie, but we will see in time. You know, even if that's true today, even if what Rich is reporting today is factual based on the people he's speaking to, anything can change. So in six months, if they have a different decision, that's what it is then, you know? Yeah, this is all just stuff he's read off the toilet paper square that was passed to him under the you know the bathroom <laughs> stall. Right. They had to, and, they had to and, pay and, for that toilet paper square themselves, though. Ike wasn't going to pay for that. Oh, yeah, and of course. I hope it's not correct. I I hope that's not you know I hope that's not where we're going. Flo Dameron says IDW lost all the rights to those kids Star Wars comics. So there you go. Hmm. Um, but I know they I know that they've been publishing them. I've I've seen it. I just don't know when that ended, um, or if it ended. Who's so publishing those like Disney villains comics. Is that Dynamite? Like Scar? That's Maleficent? Dynamite. Yes. Dynamite. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm sure that's something that Marvel probably would like to have under their umbrella eventually as well. You know, I'm not yeah, sure the inner workings. Dan just said in the in the Twitch chat, all it takes is one executive who says, "Yeah, these comics are profitable, but it'd be uh, more profitable if we folded into Disney publishing." be cost saving right so like you you net out better potentially i hope i hope that doesn't happen for the simple reason that comic book people know how to make comics and comics are unique in books and other forms of entertainment i believe it takes comics people to be a part of that mix yeah you can bring someone else in with fresh ideas but comics people know how to get those books to the retailers the way they need them and i i hope that you know we will continue to see those editors and those individuals retaining those jobs i think that that balance of having somebody new but somebody who has been working in the business for a while is probably like an ideal medium where you'll be able to have somebody who's like oh let's try this sort of thing like this is where other publishing has gone and modernized and we know you do it your way so like how do we how do we mesh the ideas like from a content from a distribution angle from like even a business standpoint because i think there are some parts that need to grow and sometimes you need that outside perspective and force to push a person who already works in the same space to be able to like oh okay maybe this can work like we'll try it within the confines of how i know the mark the comic book market or direct market might work yeah. And 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 that's something that I think they probably had access to. Maybe this can be a positive thing. Maybe they'll have even more access. Yep. You know, we don't know. In the immediate, I look at DC and I go, Ugh, that hasn't been great. Um, But because of the overwhelming success of superhero films and because... Marvel has been profitable. We talked about it on the Ike Perlmutter, Ike Perlmutter special. I believe the number was 60 to 90 million that books are pulling in, comics are pulling in on the Marvel entertainment side. If that's the case, then I don't think there's too much reason to meddle right now today. But we don't know. And we did that show. I want to move on because we have an update on Victoria Alonso. That's one of the other problems that Marvel had. So last week on the show, we talked about the fact that Victoria Alonso has gone and we discussed how there were two sides of the story. One side is the Marvel side, the Disney side, and 
of course, rumors, reports from people who don't want their names in articles, such and such, is saying that the reason Victoria Alonso was fired is because she worked on a movie as a in a producer role where you know she wasn't allowed to do that. Uh the movie was called Argentina 1985. It's very close to her because of her heritage and how she grew up and where she grew up, obviously in Argentina. And she wanted to be a part of this film. She also went to the Academy Awards representing that movie and not Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That's the Marvel side. The Victoria Alonso side, her people, her lawyers are saying no. Uh, Actually, Victoria Alonso was fired because of something we can't say yet and because of the fact that she apologized Disney and asked Bob Chappick to step up to the plate regarding the don't say gay bill in Florida. Mm-hmm. That's as much as we knew last Saturday. Now we know a lot more, or at least we've heard rumors of a lot. These two entities are having a public fight. Like they're going at it at this point. And so the Hollywood reporter on March 28th put out an article that says that the reason According to, this is what they were referencing. The reason that Victoria Alonso was fired is because, again, her responsibility is visual effects. She is the, she was the, uh, what, the president, the the executive of, of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Visual effects. And so she was asked to remove the image of a gay pride or the the pride flag, not gay pride, but the the pride flag from a scene in which um, uh, Ant-Man is walking down a street and you can see it in like a window, um, an awning of a building, of a, of a business. And, and she was asked to blur that out. And she said, no, I'm not doing that. She ignored the order. And so Marvel went to another house, another another effects house, and made them do it. And so in Kuwait, the pride flag was blurred out, and they went over her head to get that done. Who, sorry, uh, you blanked out when you said that source. Who is the source on that? This is coming from The Hollywood Reporter, and they're okay. getting this from, you know, insiders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very Marvel. Yeah. Very very Disney. Like They've been known to, you know, be fine with, you know, removing, you know, editing out gay kisses for the Chinese market, you know. Um Yeah, this doesn't Although they did fight it once for China, right? Didn't they fight it for like what was it? Shang Chi or something like that? Black so- Widow? They've actually had they've had a lot of problems with China because of their resistance to China's demands just over the pandemic. Yeah. They've had a lot of issues. Yeah. I believe there was a problem with Eternals um because Eternals has some gay um Eternals, yeah. Yeah. Um and so yeah, they've had issues with these other countries. I believe it wholeheartedly. I completely believe that Marvel went over uh, Victoria Alonso's head to get that edit through to get the movie out in Kuwait. I didn't realize it was so important to put a movie out in Kuwait, but yeah. 
Yeah. You know, okay, that's what they did. Here's what I don't believe. I don't believe that that is why Victoria Alonso was fired. Do you still believe the Disney side? I believe that there were several things that possibly contributed to her firing. However, here are the facts we know. We know that she went to the Oscars, or it was the Oscars, not the Academy Awards. I'm sorry. She same went thing. to the Oscars. Yeah, that's the same thing. Rep- oh, it is? Yeah, Academy Awards and the Oscars are the same thing. Oh, my God. All these years, I thought there were two different events. Nope. Wow. Oh. Brain crinkled. Amazing. Yeah, right? Um, Thank you, Tyler. She did go to the Oscars representing a non- Disney movie. Hmm. We know that for a fact. And we've heard that there is a rule in place that says you can't do that. And she is an executive. So do I believe that the 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 her saying no to their request is a factor? Sure. Do I believe that it more likely had to do with her decision to go to the Oscars representing another studio's movie? Especially Amazon, yes, I do. Yeah, yes, I do. On, on top of her also calling out Chapek, yes, know, I think I, th- I think all of that really builds up. That eventually, it's like, okay, this is something's gonna have to happen here. I, I, I agree. Sh- yeah, I the, the reason Chapek I left that out is because other people at at Disney were doing it too. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't very liked, and it was pretty open. A lot of people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Iger yeah. didn't like him. Well, but I think I think a lot of that, you know, it can be uh, built upon. I agree. It's 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 we're talking about several things now. We're not just talking about one event. Yeah, I I think it's like those are the those are like the underlying issues. But they got the gotcha was oh you went to represent this movie. Right. That that's the thing where it's like officially I could be upset at this. I can do a thing about that because realistically marvel disney got what they wanted to get as far as editing out the pride flag in kuwait if they have the ability to go over her head why fire her if she's so talented and i'm not disputing her talent if she's so talented and they need her in that position and they could just go over her head when they want to why do you need to fire her Hmm. now they're in a worse position than they were in before because Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming out and they don't have a head of visual effects. This, what the hell's gonna happen? Yeah, this 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 twofold for me. Um, a there were a round of uh, a round of layoffs coming up. Like she was before the layoffs happened with like Perlmutter and, and stuff like that. I think like Jeffrey Epstein, half, head of uh communications there, was fired too. Um oh, what an unfortunate name. Jeffrey R. Epstein. I know it's it's a thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so they, uh, it almost seems like a preemptive way of like, oh, we can get another, get rid of another head of something, you know, that saves some money. Um, but also like, this reminds me of like worked at Apple and like, there would be like somebody a manager didn't care much for. And as soon as that person slips up once, there's, there's grounds for, for fire. Yeah. It's like, I can't fire you for the things you're doing, but I don't care much for the way you're doing it. Oh, wait a minute. You did something that was like in the rule book that you can't do. All right, we're going to use yeah. that as justification, you know? And then 
her response is more like, you know, like, oh, no, the, there was multiple reasons. Here's why they wanted me gone uh, sort of thing. This is kind of what it smells like. Do you think we're imposing American ideals into a separate market by doing that? Doing what? Firing people? No, by banning the the flag there? Or by, by wanting to not ban it? Like, to not blur it out. We're going to go there. <laughs> that's, a, I, that's a very, very, very deep subject. And... Not the podcast. Yeah. I, yeah. Tune into Palling Around for more. Basically, I mean... I have to imagine Disney just wants to toe the country line. Right. Broadly. I have... See, I'll, the only thing I'm going to say about this is this. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. have no expectations... <laughs> of a business to strive for pushing diversity across the entire world. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And I don't go to Disney looking for that. So if that's what Disney feels they got to do in Kuwait, I disagree with it. I'm not into that. If those are the market realities in Kuwait, I have nothing to say about it. I wish that wasn't the case because I guarantee you, there are people in Kuwait who would have needed to see that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So. We uh, we got a super chat oh, from Atomic Hound. Thank you. You want to read it, Kale? You want me to? Yeah. Sure. Hound says, it's the old adage for Ike. If you go for the king, you better make sure you get home. Alonzo feels like she was on a slippery slope anyway. That's what we so say close. when we, uh, when we uh, come for Sean for anything. If you go for the king... <laughs> You better you make best sure not you miss. get home. <laughs> if you come for the king, you best not miss. Atomic Hound, thank you so much for that super chat. Really appreciate it. The nine ninety nine spot. We love you, man. Thank you. And boy, have I missed when I've swung for Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Marco, Marco hasn't made it home often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on the streets. Damn. <laughs> well, that's not all. Because Ant-Man 3... Flag or not, is the worst performing Ant-Man movie of the series. Surprise. Through this week, as of Monday, the, the movie has made $468 million wide. That's really low. When you compare that to Ant-Man and the Wasp, which Grant uh, grossed, uh, 623.1 million. But I want to say this, and I understand, I know, I know how I'm going to sound right now, but I will say this. When we are talking about these numbers, we always have to think about COVID. We just do. It happened, and it still affects people's decision-making as far as going to the movies. People will go see Spider-Man, Black Panther, Top Gun, Avatar, and Droves, movies that they really want to see. And the other factor is movies that have good word of mouth. Mm. Ant-Man did not have good word of mouth. I love the movie, but guess what? The market disagreed with me. According to the market, Ant-Man 3 is not a good movie. And for that reason alone, it doesn't deserve to make more money than the others. I don't think that represents anything about Marvel other than the fact that this movie wasn't good. Because Black Panther did all right. Spider-Man did great. Doctor Strange did great. Yeah. 
it just wasn't quality, dude. Like it, it wasn't there for some of the stuff that we've seen in the past. And I think uh, you're right. Like word of mouth would have been much better, and it would have seen better numbers. That's what it boils down to. Like like uh, we'll bring up you know a Justice League or a Batman with Ben Affleck, and yeah, like some of the word of mouth there was bad, but it was also one of those you got to go see it kind of things where this was just actually you could probably miss this one. This is fine. And I feel like Thor was also the same way, but I I don't know that it suffered as hard as Ant-Man did. I oh, love Thor. Even that, well, Ugh. your middle name's not market. Mine is. Um, <laughs> your parents are wrong for that one, Kel. Hey, listen, yeah. can't argue with them. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, 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 the comparison here, though, is with the other Ant-Man movies, which is pretty funny because like those are fine you know they uh the, i think sean just saw the slide i made i'm so sorry i just saw tyler's slide and it's it's the same it's Boy. oh my god it is a poster from ant-man of the wasp Mania <laughs> of jonathan majors kang hold like he's like holding whatever he's supposed to be holding it's but it's an Ant-Man l wasp yeah. Tyler edited it to be an L. Oh my god, dude, that's so funny. Hold this L. I just think it, it, it's they're comparing it to other Ant Man movies, and I think the issue is that they completely redid what an Ant Man movie was for this. And I feel like the other two yeah. are highly rewatchable. You know, yeah. Where this one was a slog, and I think Marvel, uh, their numbers benefit from people wanting to watch them multiple times in the theaters. Hmm. Um. That's true. Yeah, you want people to come back, right? Even even in theater, yeah. like a large portion of people that make up the box office is going to be repeat visitors. It's also worth pointing out that people clearly love Ant Man. Ant Man was one of the characters that people spoke the highest of coming out of Endgame, and I think people were excited for this movie. The buzz about this movie was really high. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, it just didn't it didn't do well in the market because. People didn't like it, and that's the reality. Marvel movies already have their audience, and you know how you feel about these franchises. When you're talking about a third movie, if you didn't like part two, you're not trying to see part three. So you have the people who don't like Ant-Man and didn't care for it, and then you have the people who do that weren't satisfied by this film. That's it. And then inflation, too, especially when the last couple months um, has been yeah. pinching people. Uh, I paid 19 bucks to see Dungeons and Dragons last night for one. That's ticket. stupid, bro. Where are you people watching movies? Come out. I to went Queens, to Union Square bro. in New York City, so oh, it was 19 for just a standard 2D movie, which man. was wild. Yo, come, come by me, dude. We'll, we'll go. It's like a nice small theater. Local I've seen business. New York City put out weekend prices that are about four or five dollars more. Yeah, they've been doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've only just started, you know, going down there to to, to see movies. But, um. Yeah. I think uh, Roboters on YouTube makes a, a good point. I think I agree. Uh, it, it solely feels like a side character project trilogy um, that's going to diminish over time. Where uh, when they're not the main, you know, Avengers movies, so the, the the larger characters, like he is an Avenger, but he still feels like he's off to he's supplemental. You know, like I can he feels like a filler episode. The problem for Marvel to that point is. They needed people to see this movie, not simply for the box office, but because they need people to see Kang. Yeah, exactly. They need they need people to see that character, see what his what his development is, so that they're invested in what happens next. 
And when you lose that, you lose the reason for people to go and find out what happens next because people did not see this movie. They should never have put Kang in this movie to begin with. I loved it. I thought that pairing was interesting. People don't agree. Kang should have debuted in a movie that people were more likely to see. Mm. Uh, Kingdom says, I'm sorry, Kill. Go ahead. I don't know. I, I like it. I think the movie just sucks shit. Ultimately, like, that is ultimately that's the fact. And I think I think, you know, the pairing of Kang and Ant-Man, it it's weird. And I think that's where that's where the film really should have succeeded. I, I think it worked because like it delves with it still connects the larger idea of the, the quantum verse plus his ability to like be able to um jump in and around through time and this exists outside of that like i feel like those pieces were established in loki where these things exist outside of that so that ties in um but yeah i think ultimately it's it doesn't stand up to some of the other movies that have come out um like i feel like phase the end of phase four is still like peak right like we have hit that peak and this the rest of this has been a, a very just slow hill to go down and there have been bumps but that's Wait, it you mean phase three? Oh, sorry yes i want to clarify i'm not saying like i'm saying you put kang in a movie that people weren't guaranteed to see that the they needed people to see him and they put him in a in an ant-man movie where the numbers were always modest they were never like insane and it it was a bit of a gamble, and unfortunately, it didn't pay off. Um, and I'm not, you know what? I, I, I we could talk all day about Ant Man. Let's <laughs> let's move on to the part of this that um, is new to the conversation because everything else so far we've talked about, um, and that is the Jonathan Majors factor. Oof. Yeah. So. Uh, on March 27th, it will, no, that's actually when Variety put their article out, but this was reported, um, last last week. Yeah. Last Saturday, uh, last Saturday, it was reported that, um, Jonathan majors was arrested in New York. Um, he was arraigned on Sunday with several assault and harassment charges. Uh, I am reading now from a Variety article, quote, in the complaint, the unnamed female accuser claims the defendant did strike her about the face with an open hand, causing substantial pain and a laceration behind her ear. She also claims he, quote, put his hands on her neck, causing bruising and substantial pain. So the story is that Jonathan Majors was out in Manhattan uh, or in New York City with his girlfriend. They were at a bar. She saw text messages of some nature on his phone with another woman, and she was angry about them. According to reports, she then tried to uh, look at his phone, and in in her doing that, he then struck her and choked her, put his hands around her neck. Um, They were in a cab. They were going home. And I've seen conflicting reports. I've seen that he was erect, arrested on the spot. I've seen that he was arrested uh, in the morning, the, the the morning after. 
Um, but this is this is what has happened. Hmm. Everyone has made their minds up already how they feel about this one way or the other. This is an unfolding story. In fact, just this week, we did get text messages that Jonathan Major's lawyers have shared from the girlfriend. They're they're purportedly from the girlfriend. They were shared with TMZ and others. And I will read the texts. From the girlfriend. Please let me know you're okay when you get this. They assured me that you won't be charged. They said they had to arrest you as protocol when they saw the injuries on me and they knew we had a fight. I'm so angry that they did. I'm so sorry you're in this position. We'll make sure nothing happens about this. I told them it was my fault for trying to grab your phone. I only just got out of the hospital. Just call me when you're out. I love you. Three and a half hours later, that was sent at 6, 9.30 p.m. They just called again to check on me, and I reiterated how this was not an attack, and they do not have my blessing to place any charges or on any charges being placed. I read the paper they gave me about strangulation, and I said point blank, this is, did not occur and should be removed immediately. The judge is definitely going to be told this. She assured this to me. I know you have the best team, and there's nothing to worry about. I just want you to know that I'm doing all I can on my end. I also said to tell the judge to know that the origin of the call was to do with me collapsing and passing out and your worry as my partner due to our communication prior, out of care. She promised all will be relayed. That's something that I didn't point out. Now, this is me talking. From what I am, I've been able to ascertain, he's the one that called the police. Mm. But that's that's what we know so far. Um, those, go ahead. Those texts don't sound uh, like it was fake. Before, before anyone responds to what Kale just said, I want to talk a little bit more. Since this occurred... Jonathan Majors already lost an army deal where he was going to be the face of the next wave of army commercials. Um, that's gone. This week, we've learned that um, Marvel is in contact. Marvel Studios is in contact with Jonathan Majors people to determine what the next steps are going to be. Obviously, as Kang, Jonathan Majors represents a large part of Marvel's future as it relates to phase five and six. This is a disaster now i will stop talking and i will give you guys the floor this is a complicated one i want to say first off that we're a comic book show so of course we're going to have to talk about the comic book movie nature of this Mm -hmm. uh but my gut when stuff like this happens is like uh, i don't even care about the fucking comic book movies at this point yeah it's yeah it's tough to walk that line Kale, was the presumption that this isn't like that the the texts were staged? What did you, what did you mean? Well, I guess I guess that's because uh, I've seen I've seen that texts were presented, you know, and maybe it's just headline sensationalism that I was taking, hmm. but yeah, that's how I uh, was expecting to hear it. As the whole thing was staged, this to me sounds like I don't know. Uh, I mean, for for a lack of a, a, a another 
term, but this to me sounds like an an abuse uh, victim, a serial of abuse victim uh, trying to, you know, keep their life going and keep, you know, the the abuser at bay. You know what I mean? I feel like um, keep sort of the abuser near as well of just like you know like like i'm I'm working with you like i'm sorry like i fucked up kind of thing and yeah, that, yeah. that's very like I, de- I deserved it yeah yeah that's, and, that's how it yeah. sounds to me yeah that's how i was reading those texts too it was very much like uh give I'm, me your I'm phone sorry <laughs> yeah yeah like that's that's terrible because that that at that point you can also imply some sort of like psychological just uh, manipulation at that point i mean if there's um, physical abuse there's most likely psychological abuse happening at the same time for sure yeah um so yeah that's not it, th- these are situations that that's a shame because he is a, a talented actor like i uh, i saw him first on uh lovecraft country dan had mentioned as well and um i'm like oh this guy is he's he's gonna do he's gonna do good stuff and then the announcement started to come in so it's it was nice to see his rise uh and it sucks to now see that this is like this is the way his fall is happening um to whatever degree that might might that might be um but what do you mean it sucks i mean if it's, if it's real good you know <laughs> yeah yeah fair yeah. right yeah if, if it is if it is something that that has happened like good that this that people have stepped in um it's just a shame People have sent out tweets and things like that, subtweets, suggesting that Jonathan Major's um, abuse of people is a known secret. Yeah. That in New York, amongst, you know, the scene, I guess, people know that Jonathan Majors is like this and that at Yale they knew he was like this. The those people that have sent those messages out have since clarified the one guy who there was one guy in particular who said um, there's an actor who's blown up in Hollywood that everybody seems to love, but it's weird because they're a known sociopath. Mm-hmm. That person has now come out and said that when they made that tweet, yes, it was about Jonathan Majors, but it was not a reference to physical abuse. It was a, refer- a reference to psychological abuse. Um, and just messing with people. Now, this is hard for me. This is very, very hard for me. I love Jonathan Majors acting. You know, I've really appreciated what he's been doing. I love them in Lovecraft Country, where I believe I first saw him and everything he's been in since then. I've gone and seen or watched and enjoyed. Um, I feel like um when there's a black actor in hollywood a ma- like a man a male black actor i immediately like want to see what they're into and what they're up to and they become aspirational because it's like wow how rare is this a, a celebrated black man like you go back to the 90s we had denzel and who you know um yeah. so it means so much especially for him to be kang so many kids are going to see him you know it just means so much And when I see a black man get accused of something like this, especially when he's the one that called the cops, 
I have a lot of friends that have been accused of shit they didn't do. A lot of friends. I was accused of something I'm not going to say here that's awful. He got arrested for it. I'm the one that bailed him out. I know he didn't do it. It was all bullshit. It was proven after the fact. But an accusation was made, so he got courted off right to prison with no evidence. Right to with no evidence. These are real things that happen. That being said, when I saw those texts, all the doubt that I had went away. Because without getting specific, I know a lot about women in domestic violence situations. And those texts are from a woman who is being psychologically and physically abused. I cannot be convinced otherwise unless there's hard evidence that that's not true. I am normally very much the person to say wait and see, especially when we're talking about a black man. But those texts are not from a person who is doing anything other than trying desperately to retain that relationship and not piss him off. And the key for me was that there was hours that went by between texts of her trying to reassure him and he did not respond. So she felt like she needed to text again because she is scared. That's what I read. And when I saw that, I said, this piece of shit is putting his hands on women and he should be gone. But I will say this. Anybody who's saying that about Jonathan Majors but said Ezra deserves a pass, (laughs) fuck you. Because Ezra Miller is going to survive what they did. I guarantee it. You're about to have a movie come out that's going to be celebrated. We're seeing it. It's already happened. No one even talks about what Ezra did. Jonathan Majors will not be so lucky. And I'm not saying he deserves grace, but I am saying there's a very clear double standard. Because this man, or I'm sorry, this individual, Ezra, was globally messing with kids, doing all kinds of nonsense, and they're going to get off scot-free and Jonathan Major. That's all. I wonder what the difference between those two is. Well, Marvel and DC, you know? Sure. Yeah, that's that's the divide. Yep, that'll that'll do it. Uh, Yeah, the issue here is that you you see this stuff and – the whole angry black man trope is there, you know, like, yeah. So it's like, all right, feed into that. It's just such a uh, horrible line. But like when his lawyers are like, oh, we got evidence that he's fine. And he, it was those texts. I was like, oh, buddy, that's not. Yep. You did the wrong thing. Releasing those. I hate it. I hate, it. Yeah, I hate to see a black man go down like that. Yeah. To, to lean into that shit, to lean into that trope. Like, damn. So, Tyler was right. This is a podcast about comics and and things like that. Obviously, we all hate what he did. What does Marvel have to do? What? Oof. Oof. I mean, good thing it's a character that can uh, have has multiversal variants that you can easily write something off about. But yeah, but they all look like him. They need to. They need to do what WB won't. And get on X Men. Let's get let's get that out of the way. <laughs> like the same strategy is not going to work, right? The 
the wait and let this stuff happen and play out and unless that's the strategy like marvel has seen precedent with um precedent with uh ezra i that's the it's a lead character it's somebody who they have now contracted on for a long term like dc that stuff switching off but this is their final movie so they're trying to send off but this is a person who just started like yeah. I think I think you're early enough that you probably could recast, but I think their play is probably going to be. I think this is going to follow suit to what happened with Ezra. Let's see where the 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 trials take us. Let's see where if it uh, even goes there. Yeah, yeah, and and like if if this blows over, you know, in a, in a year or two from now, I, I don't agree with it. But I think that might be the first step for Marvel at this point. I mean, I mean, let's see. In terms of what's definitely filmed already, his stuff on Loki is definitely filmed. So you have a whole season of a TV show that kind of revolves around him. That's right. Outside of that, Kang Dynasty is only in its writing phase. You know, everything else that's coming out, does it necessarily need to involve Kang? Um. I don't think they're fully out of the, the realm of possibility of just like, all right, shift away from Kang. Because they technically killed him off already. Come on. Uh, yeah. They recast before they did that. I agree. I agree. I'm just saying yeah. like that. I don't, I don't think that's also out of the realm of possibility. Like just, all right, watch, watch it away. Um, I'm, I'm going to be consistent. I feel like Ezra, look, the movie was made. I get all that. Whatever. Fine. But we shouldn't see Ezra in a Flash film ever again or in the role of the Flash. The people that play superheroes cannot be criminals. And the people who act in superhero movies cannot be criminals. These are movies, ultimately, as much as we adults love this stuff, these are movies for kids, and that's not something to be glorified. If Jonathan Majors is the violent sociopath that he is alleged to be, he has to go. And that's it. And Marvel doesn't have a year or two to wait because like Thanos, it's highly likely that Kang will factor into several movies down the pike. And two years from now, 2025, we're, that's it. We're at the premiere of, of, of Kang Dynasty. So they have to move within the next few months. They have to make a decision. Yeah, if they, Loki's they filmed, don't. if Loki's filmed, the best thing they can do is bury that asshole and... Uh, recast and let it go or even refilm it like recast refilm the loki stuff there's no oh, release date on. for it you know they're not gonna refilm that a lot of i mean they made what studio was it tyler that uh the whole film like completely refilmed uh kevin spacey yeah yeah after uh after his whole thing yep a whole a whole movie completely redone and he was the, one of the main characters, right? It was. Um, he, I that, think he was the main character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I totally forgot what that was. Did like Gary Oldman replace him? I think. I feel like that wouldn't be a better replacement. <laughs> no, it was. Um, it was somebody older. Yeah. Um, but yep. it's. I, I know mean, you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. For a television show that has literally no promise of return on investment. That's just mm -hmm. a literal money sink to bring everybody well, back. Well, sure, sure. Yeah, that's why. That's why I'm saying. 
Uh, but but at that point, let, if, I mean, let Loki come out, bury it, and fuck it. They're gonna throw the money at this problem anyway. You might as well figure out a way to cut your losses long term. It it really depends where the conversation goes. If if majors is if there are other allegations, which I think I have sort of seen start to float around, if other women or individuals start to come to light and say, yeah, that you know, me too. If he goes to prison, it, you know, if if things go bad, Marvel might have to make a drastic decision. But I think that would be their literal last resort would be to reshoot. There's no way they want to do that. And I highly doubt that's on their minds at this moment. But I guess things could go that bad. We're so early in the weeds with this that it, who knows? What we know is that long term, if Marvel doesn't act on this and get rid of him, they're going to have a problem. They're not DC. People almost sort of expect DC to do dumb stuff. I, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's less expectation of DC. Yeah, it stands for dumb choices. <laughs> yeah, damn it was right right in front of our faces. Yeah. Distinguished competition, my ass. <laughs> it's disgusting. It really is. And, you know, all that talk about masculinity and, you know, trying to change what masculinity is, getting on magazine covers, wearing pink outfits, and all the stuff that Majors has done just to behind the scenes be a monster. You know, I'm not going to say anymore. He even said Homeward Bound was his favorite movie. Like, oh, how are you going to? Maybe that was a red flag. So Marvel had a shit week. They have a lot of recovering to do. All angles are not looking great. But you know what Marvel has the ability to do? They have the ability to put out a project that can change the narrative. And I think they're very lucky that the the next movie on their docket is Guardians of the Galaxy. Because public perception of the Guardians movies is that they're good. People really love James Gunn. People love the Guardians. I think if the Guardians movie is well-received, it will help to turn the tide back in Marvel's favor. That's not about the Jonathan Majors aspect. I'm just talking about the general negative conversation around Marvel. I think studios are always a project away from turning the tide. I I don't know, man. Like I remember the the cameo in which call it uh Thor and being like, "Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, they they got to get their own movie." And then the cameo in um for like a hot sec in uh was it She-Hulk? But like was that? No, maybe not. Um, but like, I'm not interested to see how the rest of their story plays out. Like, I, I think it's going to be more, and this is funny because I enjoyed this in Thor, but I feel like it's going to be more jokes and more gimmicks and leaning into the stuff that already worked and that they know works. And I'm not interested to see that. Like, I, I don't, it's been so long. I don't care about the Guardians anymore. They don't excite me. You're talking about something different than I'm talking about, though, because I don't even like the Guardians movies at all. But really? the public seems to. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I don't like them at all. Yeah. But people love them. So all I'm trying to say is that because people love the Guardians, 
if the movie if the movie is as good as the last two, regardless of what we think about them, people will enjoy them. Yeah, it's a draw. They're they're a draw. Guardians. Yeah. yeah. Would you guys say that Ant Man was as big a draw? No. No. Or not as big a draw, but was the thought process there is Ant Man, Paul Rudd, is enough of a draw to be able to to do well, to justify a movie? Yeah, I don't think that Marvel ever f- considered Ant Man a tentpole franchise. Hmm. I think Ant Man was quite frankly a palate cleanser movie. Ant Man one and two, they were slotted into those moments where it's like we need a little bit of a breather. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Let's enjoy a little Ant Man joint. Whereas Guardians, you know, they introduced Thanos in the, well, they sort of pseudo introduced him at in Avengers, but like, you know, the first time that what's his name played Thanos, it was in Guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people love the Guardians. James Gunn has so much goodwill. I think that's where they can they can win us back. Not just for the bad PR, but for the general negative feeling about Marvel's movies. I think I'm in that just general negative space of of the franchise where uh, especially coming out of Ant-Man, I'm like, all right, I'm, I, I think I'm back in like a, a mini fatigue. Uh, and that's that, that, that's a me thing. I, I don't think I'm, I'm extrapolating that to the larger like zeitgeist for it. But I think there are people that will be hesitant to show up immediately based off of the last slew of movies that might not have hit for people. I think that's true, but I think word of mouth is key in all situations when it comes to movies. You know, maybe the day one isn't great, but I think people react highly to reviews, Rotten Tomato scores. I think if the movie appears to be good, people will go see it. Uh, review it, yeah? Of course, yeah. Uh, Atomic Hound says, who stands to benefit more from Guardians, Marvel or James Gunn in his new role? That's a very interesting question. I think it's mutual, but I think Marvel benefits more. I think if the movie is good and well-received, then it will help the part of what's happening at DC that James Gunn has no control over, which is the movies that were already filmed that people apparently aren't interested in. Um, That will say, hey, yeah, you guys thought Shazam sucked and you know whatever about The Flash and Aquaman – but my movies are still good and you still like them. I've got magic and I'm bringing that magic to DC. And I don't think the general public even knows that's a thing right now. I think that won't even happen until, you know, once the trailers are coming out for whatever James Gunn, you know, produced or directed thing. And it's like from the guy who brought you Guardians of the Galaxy. Like that's when people will really start, you know, putting those pieces together. Like you, you pull someone out, you know, out of a movie theater, and you'd be like, "Oh, you know, what do you think of James Gunn running DC?" I'm sure it would be, you know, lights on, no one home. Nobody cares about yeah, that. Yeah. Like we do Dan, because we're we're tapped in, but the general people don't even probably don't even know that's a thing. Dan literally commented that as you were saying that from the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Marvel's got to do something. We will, of course, see where all of these threads go. Um, but they've they've got to make a change and they've got to do it quickly. Hopefully they do because you know, like comics, um, the movie industry is benefiting a lot from having Marvel films there and being successful. Um, I think they've been a factor in sp- re-sparking, um, you know, theater going and things of that nature. So 
you know, for Marvel to be on a downward trend long term would not be a good thing for film. Not in my opinion. I thought Tom Cruise so. saved film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> boy, boy, did they put out that that movie at a very safe time. <laughs> Whereas Marvel sacrificed Black Widow to the co- to the to the theater gods to try and spark something back up. Marvel loves to sacrifice their women. Black Black Widow, Gamora, <laughs> sacrifices. Damn. All right. We've got a lot more show to do, if you can believe it. We've we've done an hour, and we have a lot more to come. Thank you, everybody that is with us. We appreciate you. If you appreciate us, hit the like button on YouTube if you're watching. We've got a lot of ways you can support. We appreciate all Super Chats on YouTube, as Atomic Hound did earlier. If you're watching on Twitch, we appreciate subscriptions over there you can sub for free with your uh twitch prime subscription it helps us out it puts shekels in our pockets and it costs you nothing so we appreciate that the best way to support this is patreon.com slash the comics pals where for as little as three dollars a month you can support your boys and you get access to our exclusive content over there. Kefis, I see you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was uh, that to plan Three Kingdom gifted a, a sub. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh. Thank and you. He, yeah. Thank you for the gift to plan. Appreciate that. Um, pay, on Patreon, you get our newsletter. You get access to our book club vote poll. You get access to our exclusive show over there, Palling Around. And... In addition to other things as well, you get access to a superhero or a supervillain nickname and a shout out on the show. So I want to say thank you very much to Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, the Night Stalker, Harris Dijinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Random Rocio, Cephas the Incorruptible, the Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, the Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound. Dan, the Truth Trudeau, and of course, Joel Justice. Thank you all so much to our $10 a month subs. We appreciate you. $10 or more a month subs. We appreciate you and what you do for us. Uh, Book Club, we've got one coming out on Tuesday, Tuesday the 2nd, or Tuesday the 4th, rather. We recorded the Far Sector Book Club. Far Sector was voted on by the listeners. We talked about that. That was very good. Come listen to that conversation. If you're a patron, that is already available. Thanks to Tyler's good deeds. It's Speedy thanks editing. to me not looking at a calendar correctly, but yeah. For everything okay. else, uh, we've got a link tree. So click that. Our, in the description, we've got everything you can imagine. Join our Discord server. Yeah. We're always having great conversations over there. Uh, you might notice, it's a little late, I guess, to bring this up, but uh, you might notice... We are on. It is not 1 p.m. And we are not sitting with Jeff Johns. That's because he's coming out right now. April Fool's, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So it was not an April Fool's joke. I swear. Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't an April Fool's joke. Jeff Johns is still coming on the show. Jeff Johns. The only joke here. Is Sean's calendar keeping skills. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Johns will be on the show April 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern. 
and we will have him. We'll be interviewing him. Everything that we've said is true. The only thing that was screwy was the date. I take ownership of that. Jeff Johns is currently at WonderCon, MegaCon, MegaCon Orlando. MegaCon, okay. So um, we will be speaking with that gentleman next week. That also means that it is still possible for you to submit your question or comment for Jeff Johns to be entered into the Jeff Johns Geiger giveaway. All you have to do is be a subscriber on YouTube, which is free, a Twitch follower, which is also free, and submit a to us for Jeff Johns any way, anywhere that we can see it. We will take that comment. We will add your name to a randomizer. We will answer the question of who won the giveaway live with Jeff Johns next Saturday, and we will send a Geiger trade to your door or wherever it is that you get your mail. That's simple. Your, your hovel, your shack, your hut. And anyway. delivered by an Amazon employee. Yeah, or Marco. Well. Whatever strokes your fancy. Is that the... No, tickles your fancy. You could stroke yeah, your whatever fancy strokes it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, to plan wants to know, how do we send the questions? However you uh, want. Yeah. Your DMs. Facebook Messenger, uh, you can email it. Carrier pigeon, but you better make sure that pigeon's fast. Email us uh, at uh, contact at the comics pals. Um, yeah, just get YouTube us somehow, some way. Yeah, YouTube comments, whatever, however you can. Twitch chat. I'd rather not. Oh. <laughs> it's be tougher. Yeah, It'd be tougher. Uh, all right. Listeners have had a lot to say today already about uh, all of the Marvel stuff that we've been talking about. I love it, Tyler. Um, Tyler getting ready to read a barrage of comments. Me, 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 me. We got a lot of feedback on Twilight of the Superheroes this week. And I want to say thank you to everybody who has commented with nice words about it. If you have asked questions or left comments, I have seen every single one. I appreciate them. We will be answering questions and comments about Twilight of the Superheroes at the end. Right now, today, we will be presenting the next chapter of the story. That's coming a little later. So we will not be answering any questions today about Twilight of the Superheroes. With that being said, we do have quite a few listener comments. So Tyler, take it away. Uh, Which one should I start with? Uh, Roboters here? Yeah. Okay, so Roboters uh, 100 on the comics price increase conversation. The big two publisher price debate is something that needs to be discussed since the only thing they ever do is to raise the prices to combat these problems. Eventually, you're going to outprice the majority niche audience who buy comics, and that will lead to the majority of comic shops closing. The main buyers that DC and Marvel rely on to stay afloat, granted, they can be carried by the parent companies, but how long would they put up with a net loss on these IPs? I'm not sure what the answers are, but I'm glad we have fans like the Comics House bring attention to these matters. Thank you. We're not even fans. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting that um, Roboters here says, you know, uh, the majority of comic shops. I, I think, I think that stands true, and I think the minority that don't primarily focus on the DC and Marvel pieces. Again, I uh, just being this one sample size, but I bring up um, anyone comics where uh, the owner told us, you know, that doesn't make up the majority of his sales. And 
he has found a way to expand beyond just the need of just being a comic shop. Um, and he doesn't even have like toys necessarily, but a lot of the stuff that he, that he does is, uh, in the, in the basement, he holds like, uh, classes for, uh, community events. He'll like drawing classes, comic book classes. He'll use like it, the space is used more as this place for community. And I think that's going to be the, the hardest part is if you, if you continue to price out the, the audience and price out the buyers here, you're going to lose that community. Cause you know, we, we talk about it. Matt talks about it in chat um, or, you know, on, on the discord every once in a while about how he used like, he loves going to the shop and like being able to talk to people. And that's going to be some of the big loss there beyond the the potential of books and the, the closing of stores, but you lose friends. Um, and that sucks. Uh, I haven't gone back to my uh, local shop over the pandemic. The one I used to, I, I, I would travel like an hour in just to go to this place and it closed down over the pandemic. Um, but like, you you start to lose out on that stuff. So I think beyond just not getting your comics, I think it goes further than that, and you lose you lose community, and that's a shame. You're right. Uh, so we had a uh, William Ceroles. Oh boy, I don't know if that's that one right. <laughs> on Marvel and DC's uh, non-free comic book day, comic books. Uh, that conversation. So he said the problem with this argument is that you're only looking at it from one side. With Marvel and DC already putting out two or three comics on Free Comic Book Day, and many shops limiting how many free comics each person can take, one could argue if Marvel and DC put them all out the same day, they would be taking too much of the spotlight away from the other publishers. I would almost bet other podcasters are arguing how, arguing how this is a helpful and positive move. I'm not taking sides one way or another, but you need to look at it from multiple angles. Can I say something real quick? No. Do you, do you think oh. DC and Marvel give a shit about the other publishers? No. Nope. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, they don't care about it's not a, a you know a, all all tides lift all boats sort of thing, you know. That's that's why they're also trying to kill free comic book day. You didn't <laughs> get that from listening to the show. The comic book industry, it's not like these are allies working together. If they were, we wouldn't be in this position. That's the problem. Yeah. These are businesses at the end of the day, and I feel like a lot of people forget that. Marvel and DC's only goal literally is to make money. That's it. it they don't even play together anymore. Yeah, they don't give a damn. Like and, in the and, six in the sixties, it was all oh, we could play baseball against each other. Not anymore, dog. No, no. And also, um, look, we're we're presenting a piece of 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 that angle. You know, we're saying, hey, what about this angle of the story? If other podcasters are saying it's a helpful and positive move, that's fantastic. Great for them. We're saying, hey, what about this? And also, it's not as if Marvel and DC are only putting out their free books before Free Comic Book Day. There was a book coming out 10 days after Free Comic Book Day. So how does that bolster Free Comic Book Day? It doesn't. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I remember disagreeing with you guys on some of that stuff. So. You we very are much cool did. too. Well, you know what? <laughs> did you write you that? Come here, Is that you your come comment? here for diversity of opinion, guys. Yeah, I didn't. I don't come here for that. Hey, hey, Kale, you're a lovely fucking, human. Fucking Mephisto's oh, advocate god. over here. Hey, oh, oh my god, I'm so glad. Before we move on, to Plan Kingdom points out. Also, you guys predicted the downfall of E3. Free Comic Book Day is in a countdown. The same exact thing that is happening to E3 is the exact 
thing that I was talking about last week mm. with Free Comic Book Day. That's why I brought it up, because Marvel and DC are doing the exact same thing that, by the way, both companies have done before yep. with when it comes to conventions, and yep. that gaming is experiencing. This is not weird. It's not weird. R.I.P. 3. Word. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you want me to get to the, the next one there, Please. or should I talk yeah. about the other comment that we had? Uh, what do you mean? Because you have a, you had the, the the Batman question, and then we have Sills comments here. Oh, 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 oh. Um, yeah. Go to the the next questions. Okay, so Sills or yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So Sills said, Sills uh, Stevenson said. Uh, so I listened to a recent episode that I had missed live, and boy, was not being able to comment driving me nuts. <laughs> um, the mentions of uh, Dragon Ball and One Piece when talking about length and entry point. My experience with manga is that the major Shonen Jump series are the exception. I have tons of manga on my shelf. Most of them have a conclusion. Lastly, the increased costs. I think it's reasonable in terms of compensating for that increased cost to print because I paid for printing myself. It's just about the same as the list price, which means there's no profit being made unless it costs more than the print price. I do not doubt that DC is gouging a little or could afford not to. Um, and I'm super against charging the same prices for digital copies. That's insane to me. Digital is basically free to distribute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you basically make money back at that point with with some of that. Uh, depends on whatever percentage you give to the digital publisher, but yeah, mm. which a lot of their di- digital publishers are in house. You know, if we're talking Marvel Limited and you know DC Universe, mm. the 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 problem that I that I have with that argument is that you're comparing comics to itself in the sense that you're saying the price is fair because prices for the publishers are going up and so they need to charge more but when you compare comics to every other form of entertainment it is extremely overpriced it is not value compared to what you're paying um and it's and it's insane actually and they're regardless of how anybody feels about it right the fact is that you price people out every dollar you raise the price of comics. It is what it is. And so we're asking, when can you stop doing that? When do you alienate you, you know, the bulk of your audience by outpricing them? I am at the point where I don't want to spend $5 on comics. I just don't, especially if it's a comic that I'm iffy on. If it's something I genuinely like, am over the moon about, eh, yeah, okay. But if, it, if it's a test book, if it's a new number one that I'm unsure about, kick rocks. And that's what a lot of people are going to feel, and they already do. So it's really more the impetus is on comics to figure out how to cut costs and how to not keep rising them than on the audience to accept it. We just we don't have to. Yeah. I, I the fact with comics is that it, it is such a smaller price point compared to most media, but because of that, the percentage of increase is greater. Right. Um so I also feel like people get more of comics than your average. You know, I the only equitable thing I can really think of is like TV. But even still, like the the cost of that is sort of baked into streaming or whatever. You're not paying for an individual episode, right? Mm, Much more piecemeal. Yeah. I I think the the to the point to So's point though, I think uh comics inherently are just an expensive medium to produce yeah 
as opposed like by percentage of people that therein consume. I agree with that. But again, these are things that publishers have to figure out. All, like audiences are going to go away. It's just it, it's just a fact. How can you say someone should spend $5 for 22 pages? Bro, and they've even knocked down the stock quality. I, yes. I noticed in all of the books again this week um, when, we, when we pulled them, I'm like, oh, that's right. We're, it's different quality. Bro, I'm about to be reading on my iPad if I want to see the vibrancy of color here. DC shit is Ooh, like that. Man. People said I was nuts, but that's how DC comics are. Yeah, yeah was, I felt that, that when was, I was uh, looking at Doom Patrol. I'm like, oh, yeah, that this was, is uh, what it's like. Pretty quick change, Marco. Sorry. Marco, um, get one of those uh, paper, like, uh, paper like screen protectors for iPads that has like texture on it that feels like mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Also, I wanted to say I know that Silva's is um, Silva's a creator herself, yeah. so she's definitely sensitive to that. And I think people are a lot more lenient about the price of an of a comic if it's coming from an independent creator mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. a big publisher. I'll spend five or six dollars on on a single issue from a a creator at Comic Con. I've done that a million times. But I'm not yeah. wanting to do that for a, a comic book publisher. Like at scale, you should find those efficiencies, and it's questionable yeah. as to why you're not there and find those those efficiencies. Yeah, especially Just when you're to, printing yeah. in bulk too. You know, like I feel like there would be exactly you get discounts for that. Yeah. Where like Silver's probably paying, you know, whatever on the dollar basically to to just get a certain number out. Where right. these guys can buy in that larger quantity. It's not the same. It's wholesale. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Just to add and really emphasizes a point Sylve is also printing her own comics yes yes like her own comics nobody else's you know and and i'm not emphasizing that for us i'm emphasizing that for the audience like that's you know that is even as a creator that's massive she she is uh, she she said before that she's you know worked overtime and has like had to fund her comics uh by like working herself to the bone for that so and and chill chill in the chat chillmonger who has a great you guys should also check out says yeah when all five dollars go to the creator exactly if you're if 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 i knew for a fact that my five dollars were funding the, the the people whose work i just read i feel a lot differently about it i don't actually care to fund marvel like specifically like Ouch, that's just you know that's just how i feel yeah like at a con um, i'm more likely to grab uh creators comps than i would be you know going to midtown comics booth or something yeah, so. sure sure uh real quick before we move on i did want to uh shout out for atomic hound uh power comics in green bay which is his local uh comic book shop so if you're in the green bay area check that out sounds pretty cool green bay is that like essentially socialist football team right the packers yeah, they're all fun. It's all uh, funded by the people. Yeah. And um, Tyler, we can skip the next one, okay? Okay. So, want to get to the yeah. Batman one? Yeah. All right. So, a little fun little question for you. Um, and this was by uh, oh, the same guy who came out with the DC. Yes. Um, I'm trying yes. to get his. Oh. his uh... oh, yeah. It was by uh, Martin Sanchez on Twitter. Um, he had this interesting question. Uh, who would make Batman's Sinister Six roster and who would organize them? This is a fantastic question. I think Batman lends himself best to this kind of thing 
because obviously he has, you know, arguably the best rogues gallery yeah. in comics. I I've put some some thought into this. Um, I think that when you're talking about a Sinister Six, it can't just be the heaviest hitters. It can't just be the literal A-list of of Batman's villains. So I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. And I'm definitely going to take inspiration from the actual Sinister Six. So here's how I go. I go Catwoman right away. Because this team will need someone who can mess with Batman's brain. And also, you can play with the idea of, is she in this to help him at the end of the day? Is she going to switch on them? Or does she really want to stick it to Batman? So I think there's a lot you can play with there. I also go Clayface. Not just because Clayface is one of my top five Batman villains, but because Clayface can serve in the role of a chameleon or, a to a far lesser degree, a Mysterio where he can present Batman with situations where he doesn't know what's actually reality. He doesn't know who he's actually talking to. He doesn't know if what he's seeing is is the real thing. And Clayface can do that. So I would also add Clayface to that team. Um, Similarly, I think Scarecrow. Because Scarecrow is another Mysterio-esque villain who's going to mess with Batman's brain. Batman can't be challenged by the majority of his enemies physically, so you need to have the mental. I also want to throw out Two-Face. I think Two-Face would be a great, yeah, a great part of a team like this. I don't think he's the mastermind, but I think he has to be there. Oh, okay. I also put Riddler on the team. Mastermind? Interesting. Not the mastermind. I do not put Riddler as the mastermind. I think Riddler's yet another one who's going to set traps for Batman and make his life a living hell. The mastermind is the person that will be the sixth member. To me, that's Bane. Oh, I think oh. Bane is the one yeah, who I'm can put that. all this together. Bane is the smartest Batman villain in terms of strategy, if you ask me. And I think he would see the need to organize this squad to take Batman down and run Gotham. Uh, my list isn't that different. I have uh, organizing it, Bane. Huh. Uh, he makes the most sense. He uh, he doesn't get credit for how smart he actually is. Yep. And I think that's a tremendous role. Uh, Two-Face, to me, also makes a ton of sense in the way in the same way that Doc Ock makes sense in that he's a heavy hitter for Batman. Uh, and frankly, he shouldn't be there, but he is. Uh, Scarecrow and Clayface also made uh, made my list. Uh, I added an extra person because I wasn't totally sure about the... Uh, I have the, the organizer and then I have the six. Sure. Uh, so I'll get to them last because I think they're going to be contentious. I have Poison Ivy, oh, uh, kind of filling the Catwoman role, uh, and then I have Man Bat. Mm. That's fun. Yeah. For me, what makes the Sinister Six interesting is that it's mostly heavy hitters, and then there's one <laughs> that's not, and really shouldn't be there. And for that, my last person is Maxi Zeus. 
Oh, what? Okay, good pick. Good Whoa. Pick. That's fun. Wow. Wait, and who was the organizer? Bane, right? Bane. Okay. Yeah. Is he in it, though? Is he fighting? I I think it would depend. Okay. I think he'll, you know, if you, I think he'd be the big boss for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the end of level boss, as it were. Sure. That's, yeah, that's in my mind as well. I have a weird lineup. Duh. Um, so I'm with you I think Bane's the mastermind I think that's good with Sinister Six I always feel like the mastermind is kind of bringing these characters above their station in a way Um, so I really went like power sets and dynamics here so KG Beast I put in this essentially the the Kraven you know of of the the team Uh, Man Bat I have Man Bat in mind as well uh Clayface. I think Clayface fits the Sandman, could be a chameleon type role. And the other two I have are Firefly. You gotta have yes! an element, elemental. You gotta have an elemental. Yeah. Wildcard. Roxy Rocket. Ooh. Okay. Well, that cool, is... you know, design, maybe more tech based too. So Yeah. Uh, that's my team. All right. I got I'm gonna keep the Here organizer. All right, all right. I'm gonna keep the organizer towards the end. My man, my man, who's Gorilla never Grodd, seen the animated Joker. series or read a Batman comic. <laughs> What's a Sinister Seven? Uh, let's see. Uh, Dick Grayson, uh, Batgirl, <laughs> Commissioner. Yeah, don't Gordon. get her TikTok audience I got, pissed off. So uh, I have Riddler. I have okay. Scarecrow. Uh, I like Two Face. And then the I'm gonna keep the organizer for last. Um, I have Penguin to be like a front man for being able to communicate throughout like the underground, but it's a poor oh, system. Typical Sinister Six um, move, yeah. Bane as a lieutenant because he is smart enough to be able to organize people, but not be the ultimate bad. Uh, the or the the final organizer is Hush, who is controlling. Oh, oh my God! Okay, go ahead. Because he has that, because he has that personal relationship, and so can use Bane as the like person to delegate that to and execute based off of his knowledge, and pass it off via Penguin to the people that need to know what to do. So we we just identified which one of us only knows Bane from Batman Forever, right? Well, Batman and Wait, Robin. Why? Yeah, Batman and yeah, Robin. Right. I'm sorry. Hush. Is gonna lead Bane. Yeah. My man, my man has only Nobody leads one. Nobody leads Bane. <laughs> what the fuck? What? Yeah. No, not yes. No. Bane, Bane is all ego. There's no way he is someone's number two. Yep. Never. Yeah. You don't think Never. that's good? That's good drama. How could is you just said Hush is the leader? What's yeah. the drama? B- Bane would never even accept the position. He would probably kill Hush. And take over. Hmm. There's your drama, I guess. Leave it to Marco. But I will say, hats a Joker. You will say what? Well, you, you cut you out could, there for a second. You cut out. Oh, sorry. Hats off. None of us said Joker. He doesn't yeah, want to yeah, do yeah. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> yeah. For me, my, my methodology was just if you can think about the animated series just about anyone outside of joker right and you just cherry pick any random episode of the animated series you probably got a decent candidate 
I think that's fair to say. I think the majority of 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 Batman's rogues are used to each other and can work together, and we yeah. see that a lot in the comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I would probably say that a, a generic Sinister Six of Batman's villains would work better together than Spider-Man's. Oh, I agree. I, yeah. 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 There's more, they're more, you know, common, like it's always profit, really. It's like, oh, I want to, you know, be rich. I want to steal shit. Where (laughs) Spider-Man's villains are always personal, you know? So when it's personal, the drama happens, which I think is why Sinister Six works so well, because they always wind up fighting each other at the end. Right. I love that. And, and thank you to everybody in the chat who's sharing theirs. Please do share, share your, your six. I see Hugo Strange, which I popped I for. Thought, I yeah. love that character yeah. so much. I was surprised idea. you didn't did you you didn't say Matt Hatter, right, Sean? I didn't. I didn't yeah. because I just didn't feel like there's so much overlap between like Riddler and sure. Clayface. Yeah. Like yeah. Matt Hatter's just redundant. See, I uh I kind of thought I put Riddler contrary to what I've said before about Riddler, I put I think Riddler is too high status for a Sinister Six. I can see him being like an organizer, uh, but to me, he'd be on the same level of Joker as like no fucking way. Uh, Classy Ulysses brings up a good point. Uh, Roz is a better leader than Bane for the Sinister Six. I thought about it. I did think about it. Yeah. I'd have to justify it, though, I think. I think as a planner, yes. But – I'd have to justify him being able to being want, wanting to work with all these people for the greater good. You know, like what greater good could you, could come about that? You know, yeah. I I kind of feel like the villains that Batman has are trash to Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, like his plans are not Gotham based; they're global. Yeah. So so I guess maybe the idea would be he puts them together to kill Batman, but I don't think he would feel like anyone would be able to do that better than he can. Yeah, and, I don't think and also wants I don't... to kill. That's what I was going to say. I don't think he wants Batman dead. Right. He wants him on his squad. So I I just kind of don't feel like he would care to do this. If the goal is to kill Batman, which I believe their goal would be to do that. But but I do agree on paper, he's the best strategist. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I just, uh, the reasoning would need to be there. He's been alive for way too long. Yeah. (laughs) Vandal Savage would be pretty fun too, actually. Vandal Savage. He's not really a Batman villain, but. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot less contentious than the uh, the DC Civil War. Yeah, you know. I wonder. I wonder if it's that we're dealing with a, a lot narrower of a, a a pool. It's also not a versus thing. It's not yeah. like like yeah, Marco can say that crazy shit about Hugo about uh, uh Hush and and Bane, oh. but and 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 like oh yeah, I'll yell at him, but ultimately I don't care. But if you're going to say that Nightwing would be pro-registration, uh, we, we've got a major issue. Mm-hmm, Bridge too far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just too near and dear to our hearts. Um, yeah, that was fun. Love doing those. We will definitely continue to do those, especially if our good friend uh, uh, <laughs> Martin Sanchez continues to post those tremendous props. Thank you. Let's get into the news, though. Believe it or not, we still have news to talk about and comic book news at that. Dang. Yes. We're like, we're like Huey Lewis right now. Who's that? Um, I, I don't actually care who it is. Um, so we now finally know. <laughs> we now finally know what's next for Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Schiti. We've obviously been teased 
with whatever their book is going to be. Uh, we saw a little bit at San Diego Comic Con, New York Comic Con. We saw these, you know, these 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 uh, these pages, and we couldn't tell who they were. I remember saying I felt like we were looking at a Doctor Strange book. Um, <laughs> we weren't far off, and I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't quite far off. I, I feel like the consensus that we came to on the show was that it would be. Some kind of book that related to the gods and the, you know, the the Marvel multiverse at large. Um, but I still stuck to the Doctor Strange thing. It turns out that we were all right, pretty much, hmm. um, because it definitely does feature gods or it does feature Doctor Strange, but it is called gods. G dot O dot D dot S dot. We don't know what those what what those letters stand for in this context. I'm sure Jonathan Hickman will make us wait to find out. Be an um, infographic. Yes, there will be an infographic. There will be many. Oh, broken up by letter. So it is being referred to as, quote, the most ambitious project yet dramatically reshaping Marvel's pantheon of cosmic beings and entities behind the very fabric of reality. We don't know if it ties in anything that Hickman has already done, including the uh, the ultimate stuff that's coming. We don't know. But this is what he left the X-Men, I would imagine, to do. Hmm. Um, how do you guys feel about this? I'm excited uh, for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this yeah. pretty much confirms that fan theory that came out once the uh, concept art came out. This is essentially a personification reimagining of the cosmic entities like you yeah. know, chaos and order and living tribunal, maybe. Um which made me think of stuff like Wick Div or American Gods or it Sandman. Is that. Yeah, so that uh, I, I it's a it's a part of the Marvel universe that not, doesn't really get touched on. So, um, sure, Hickman's doing it, and this is like he could say he he described this as like he had two Bibles at Marvel. He had the you know Hoxpox, and he had this in the incubator, and this is final finally that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the sheety art looks good. I gotta say too, dude. He's very much the big idea guy, and I sure. appreciate that this is like a large concept dealing with these large concepts. So that just seems like his bag. I'm confident in. I'm confident that this is going to be good stuff. So uh, I'm super excited for anything that's going to be coming here. Plus, got Chidi on art and Marta Grassi on colors. Let's go, dude. Easy, easy, crazy. Sean, you know this. This feels like it feels mm. like his shield work. Yes, mm, which that's I why I love, love you. That's where my yeah. mind went. My mind went right to sh- like Da Vinci and Tesla. Yo, um, yep. Just like a little off, off beat, off the beaten yep. path kind of Marvel stuff and underrated stuff. I gotta say, even Secret Warriors. It reminds me of Secret yep. Warriors in a sense, which is one of my favorite Marvel books of all time. Yep. I have the Omnibus. I use it for bludgeoning people who enter my house. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got out of there unscathed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hale, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That is high praise, <laughs> high praise coming from Kale. I, I mean, what else am I supposed to say? <laughs> like, fair enough. We we didn't get anything. The I mean, it's Valeria Shidi and Marta Gracia. It looks good. Ah, great. How do you let guys feel? It. Go ahead. Oh, uh, how do you guys feel about? Valerio Schiti as a main event level Marvel artist now with Empire under his belt and um, now this and obviously Inferno. Well deserved. 
yeah, he was not the problem with those books. Yeah, no, no. So yeah, he's he's been up there for years. I like even like his work on slots, uh, Iron Man, which is you know like five years back at this. Yeah. Point. Um, like he he was always like kind of like the fill in guy, you know, or the tie in guy, which I always felt like, oh no no no, he's this guy's good, you know. Uh, slots Fantastic Four as well. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to see him kind of get the get the push here, you know, to bring up a wrestling term, you know, appropriate mm-hmm. for this weekend. But yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. We will learn more in May because on Free Comic Book Day, um, in on May 6th, we will get a preview of this in the Avengers X Men number one Free Comic Book Day special. Um, it will give us a preview of gods. We will see the main cover and variant cover and everything else down the road. So we're just going to get a little taste on you, on free comic book day. How much you want to bet that the taste that we get is just this motion comic trailer in comic book form? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Probably. Speaking of getting a taste, Blade is getting his first bite at the apple of a main series and over a decade as Marvel prepares for the blade film to hit theaters. Marvel is getting a blade book out ahead of that. So blade will be the star of his own show in July. Get this. Brian Hill, one of my favorites Mm. from American carnage from Love. the Killmonger book, which was so, yeah. so good. That was uh, Juan Ferreira on art as well. Yes. Yeah, great book. So good. Is going to be teaming up with Elena Casagrande, which Ooh. is tremendous. Yeah. This is a hot team. If you guys remember our interview with Kelly Thompson, uh, yeah. Elena drew uh, Black Widow, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, nice to see her take on another black character. <laughs> well done. So, this is the solicit. Marvel's slickest vampire hunter returns in a brand new ongoing by Brian Hill and Elena Casagrande. True evil is patient, and a dark ancient power has been simmering quietly for centuries. And when Blade himself is the one to unknowingly unleash it, Marvel's entire supernatural underworld will come out of hiding to demand he handle it or pay a pound of flesh for his mistakes. Bloodbaths, blackmail, and blade. You won't want to miss the explosive first issue of this new volume. Hell yeah, let's go. Yeah, and dude, the whole vampire stuff that's been going on in the background of, you know, Avengers and all the Marvel comics really is like, it's been stewing and like, uh, a Blade book has been needed for a while. Yeah. The fact that he's an Avenger or was an Avenger and has certainly had a rise in popularity, like, it's overdue. The, it always, like, boggles my mind that vampires are such a big part of the marvel universe it's just like it does not get like talked about and so anytime it gets brought up i'm like oh that's right that's a thing that's like a thing it's the best part of jason aaron's avengers like he came up like the the fact that the the dracula um has his own vampire nation in what used to be chernobyl because like they're the only ones that can really live there um is great he has his own version of like the avengers which is just like these new characters and one of them has like a man thing with them. Uh, it's it's real cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I. Mm-hmm. 
Brian Hill to me is one of the best writers in comics. When he's in comics. And, yeah. Sorry? When he's in comics. Yeah. Right. Well, but that's that's a part of why yeah. you know yeah. he he moves on because he is so talented. You know, he gets to work on other projects and other things outside of comics. He's working on a, a Power Rangers movie. Um, I don't know if he'll be the Ooh. final credited writer, but I know for a fact he's working on it. Um, and he's the perfect guy for something like this. The rage and sex appeal of Blade are two things that Brian Edward Hill has on Smash. Yeah. Smash. Now, so, Mark, you laughed when Sean said sex appeal. I'm really interested in why. I, I don't... Because he said I sex and sex is thing. funny. Well, I, I mean, Wesley Snipes in the 90s, you know, very attractive black man. Sure. I've always looked at Blade as a character who exudes sexuality because he's so confident and poised and slick. That's how I always thought about him. Vampires, though. That's a that's a and he's a vampire, yeah, right? A he's a literal vampire. vampire. Yeah. 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 People into vampires? Um, I guess. Don't dude, start, Marco. Dude, we're, I think we're I think we're in another vampire renaissance coming up. I feel it. I Bro, feel it. I'm actually attracted to vampires. Yo, where do you live? Vampires have, have ne- yeah, they have never not been sexual yeah. icons. Yeah. Dracula? Yo. A leader, an undead leader of an army. I, You're looking at wood, me. Wood, but Dra- Dracula's power is about that. Yeah, yeah, his thrall. Oh, sure. Marco, go watch uh, True Blood and come back to us. And Marco, what is that, go, a, vampire, is that a vampire thing? Oh, <laughs> I could. I thought that was like about like police and shit. True Marco, Blood. It's, it's so yeah. nice that you put up those posters in the rock you live in. So, yo, this dude, bro. <laughs> Twilight, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel. I haven't seen it. You don't. I've never seen Buffy, and I know it's about vampires. It's got vampires, but I didn't. I didn't know there's anything like. What you think True Blood was about? Phlebotomus. It's about vampires and sex. That that was just a teen drama. Yeah, Yeah, that's all vampires vampires are about. Okay, all right. Listen, I don't know what to say. Culture this kid, jeez. Listen, uh, sh- this kid's Sean. just like, I'll be listening to jazz, you know? <laughs> What's this up? This is jazz, but won't think about Dracula. Ooh, jazz is sexy. Um, when does Blade launch? July. Do we know? In July. Yeah. Nice. Uh, when does the actual, like, property film, like, the... Uh, it's still allegedly filming, right? next year. It releases allegedly in 2024, but I don't believe they've shot anything yet. Uh, yeah. Okay. That movie ain't coming out next year. No, there's no way. <laughs> well, you know what might also never come out? Well, I guess Blade will come out, but just not Wait, next year. But this might never come out. But Dan um, says, uh, Dan says, Night of the Living Dead is about zombies. <laughs> that's good. But I, 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 I wanna I wanna get my segues out. Um Clayface movie, oh. if you can believe that, uh, is in the rumor mill because Mike Flanagan. <laughs> allegedly pitched a Clayface movie to James Gunn and Peter Safran. Hmm. It's a rumor, but I took his response as fact or as um, bolstering the rumor. So on Twitter, Mike Flanagan said, uh, Ari Clayface, the news today is entirely speculative. When or if something like that ever becomes real, I promise I will tell you guys. Um, Flanagan has a Netflix deal 
that has seen The Haunting of Hill House, Midnight Mass, and The Midnight Club release. So Flanagan has the chops. Yeah, I like his stuff a lot. However, a Clayface movie is not something that I need. I think that Clayface is a character who's overdue for the big screen debut. I just don't feel like a solo movie is necessarily the place for that. Although, if you look at the recent One Bad Day Clayface um, by uh, uh, Lansing and Collins, I think their names yep. are. Yep. Um, that was a great blueprint for what a Clayface film could be. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And, and I wonder is, like, I think Flanagan's got the chops for it because it's, it's, the Clayface is kind of uh, supernatural in a way ish. Yeah. Um, and if you, you guys should check out midnight mass, that's some good stuff. Um, but I also don't know if he fits in with the Batman stuff, you know, like, like, like if they, if they plan on going, you know, patents and Batman, I don't think it fits there. No. Well, let, let's, let's, let's double dip then since you said that, sure. because at the same time, a new rumor has emerged that, Clayface is going to be in Batman 2, the Batman Part 2, that he would be one of the primary villains in the film and allegedly, from according to Deadline, is right now in the script that they are working with for the Batman Part 2. So, so would you rather him get his own movie or an appearance in the Batman 2? I typically do not like villain movies, Joker aside. Um, I'd rather him just, you know, maybe be a, a standout part of the Batman too. Yeah. It just makes more sense, I think. Yeah. I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to say I think I'd rather see a Clayface standalone movie. Ah. If they do it right, do it like a horror film. Yeah. yeah. Where the monster is, a you know, a Clayface shapeshifter. I think that could be really fucking good. Oh my god! That it's the it's the thing dude. in 1950s Hollywood. <laughs> and oh. frankly, that makes a lot more fucking sense than any other uh, Batman villain, any villain movie, almost period. Wait, it, like, I think me. that makes that makes even a lot more sense than a Joker movie to me. You might have paper. Man, Yo, like Tyler, that part. era of like. Old Hollywood. Old Hollywood, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. That's like, the thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I love old Hollywood. They fucking do it in the style of Werewolf by Night. Yeah, yeah. Maybe introduce uh, 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 the Grey Ghost as well, you know. Damn, I fuck with this a lot now. I'm sold. Yep. Do it. And have, um, have, um, what's, what's the, have the antagonist be? Who's the other... Detective in in Gotham before Batman. Oh, uh, Slam Bradley. Oh. Slam Bradley. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. The ghost of Slam Bradley. I like this. Mar- Marco, do you know who the Great Ghost is? Uh oh, I'm thinking of Gentleman Ghost. I'm gonna kick your ass. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up, you fucking nerd. Um, I as much as I love Kale's idea, and I agree, if it was a werewolf by night type thing, that would be really hot. Um, I still want to see him oppose Batman. I love the tragedy of man, this guy could have been something, but he just can't control himself, 
and Batman just has to stop him, which is the tragedy of most Batman villains, but I'm into it. And I don't think that we cannot have some of the wackier Batman villains appear in the Batman franchise. And I would actually really hate to have another Christopher Nolan-esque yeah. trilogy that excludes those villains because when are they going to get their due? When when are villains like Clayface and um, even Man Bat or Mr. Freeze or Poison Ivy that have powers going to be seen on screen? We got it. Someone has to break that mold. And I think that Matt Reeves can do it. And I would love Clayface to be the first. If only there was an actor right now who might have been, you know, had a rough time in Hollywood uh, and can portray that, you know, that disgruntled actor uh, who's hot right now. Oh, wait, Brendan Fraser. Let's make him Basil Carlo. Oh, I wasn't sure. I thought you were going to say Ezra Miller. Oh, no, no, that's way he was. No, 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 no. Jonathan Majors. Oh, no, he does not want to be in another Batman movie. Robert Downey Jr. Like, where are you going? Not that kind um, of disgrace. Yeah, Brendan Fraser, I guess, could, could. Yeah, sure. Why not? He's hot right now. Oh, that Fraser's so hot right now. Oh, I love me some of that Fraser. I I hope that one of these things ends up being true, hmm. whichever Maybe. one it is. Maybe. Well, something we know for a fact is that Joker Two is coming out, and now after set photos have released, we actually know what Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn will look like. Because we have seen some of the photos from some kind of rally, a free Joker rally that is occurring. This gives us a little bit of potential context for where the movie is going. It looks like Joker was genuinely imprisoned at the end of the original movie. And now the public wants him out. And Harley Quinn is seen in these set photos. Um at this rally, we don't know the context of her appearance. It looks to me that she's coming off the steps and has a police escort, which tells me that she probably was testifying, which tells me that she probably was his psychiatrist in mm. the ho- in the prison or wherever he's at, and that she's corrupted by him there, and she's there. She's at this hearing to speak to his mental state. But clearly, her mental state has deteriorated if you look at what she's wearing and the makeup. First question, what do you think of how she looks? Garbage. Next question. Ooh, uh, the only thing that didn't do it for me was the eye makeup. Everything else I thought was good. The I eye like makeup discount is hot exactly, It's exactly Bullshit. how Phoenix's Joker's eye makeup is, though. So, thematically, it works. Mm, I just didn't like the lines. I mean, uh, in my opinion, Gaga can't do any wrong, so... I'm with Tyler, Um, not only as a Gaga stand, but also I feel like this. So I feel like set photos are bad representation of pretty much anything. Remember uh, the Flash TV show when it first came out? Yeah. Well, I don't think that ever looked good, but um, (laughs) it's fine to be wrong. But (laughs) it's okay. Uh, uh, But in this case, I think this is probably not the only look she'll have. I think this is an early look. As she's transforming and she's sort of trying to be pseudo semi-professional because she's going to this hearing. That's based on my theory alone. Hmm. Um, and I actually like it anyway. It I think Harley like, Quinn's nuts and I think she would do yeah. this. It feels like a Stefan Sajic's Harley book. Yeah. 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 Um, which 
yo, if you guys haven't checked that book out, best Harley book ever. It's so damn good, that book. If you're yeah, we we reviewed Harley Quinn 28, uh, which was new this week on pal on Pals Pulls, and you guys didn't love it, nor did I. Um, that's a much better Harley Quinn book. Yeah. The black, white, and red. Uh no, it's just called no. uh Harleen, I believe. Mm, okay. yeah. Take your word for it. <laughs> the other thing that I thought was very interesting about these set photos is something that I don't actually think WB intended to show us. So if you look really closely at one of the shots that is more of a crowd shot and you zoom in, you can see there's a sign that specifically calls out Harvey Dent. Oh, yeah. So the, the rioters or the protesters rather are all holding up um, different signs. And one of them in the deep back says what I think I can't fully read, make it out, but it says Harvey Dent is the real clown. Something like that. I haven't seen. Yeah, that. it says Dent is a clown. There's another photo of it uh, that someone on TikTok had of like it looks like in catering for the extras. Uh, one of them's holding a sign that says Dent is a clown. I see. So that confirms Harvey Dent. Interesting. Which makes me wonder: Are they going to do? Are they basically going to do the the same thing as Nolan's Batman and have Joker be responsible for Harvey's turn? Or is Harvey just the antagonist of this movie? I feel like it's just that. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's like well, I agree we, with we that. need we need like a DA uh, to prosecute the Joker. Who who what Batman DA loves a high profile case? It's that, Harvey Dent. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that makes that makes the most sense out of all this. Do we know of a casting for that at all, though? No, right. No. See, let me let me just let me just present an alternative. To, to what Tyler just said. Ultimately, I think I agree with you. But how about this? The first movie at the end shows that Joker is having an effect on the wider Gotham. And he's bringing it down with him. Harvey Dent represents the best of Gotham. Harvey Dent is there to stop Joker. Harvey Dent is basically the fill-in for Batman because they can't have Batman, Right. Not in the literal sense of he's going to put on a costume, but he's the antagonist of the Joker here. If the Joker's power in this universe is his ability to corrupt other people, and we're, we've already seen it with the public, we're seeing it with Harley Quinn, presumably, then in my mind, him being able to turn Harvey into Two-Face shows again how Joker's infectious and can bring Gotham down. But, but there's, but presumably there's no history. There is no Batman here, right? So like, I don't want, I don't want that to play out because then you don't have the the foil to uh, Harvey at that point. Like it's it's only the Joker piece and him transforming. Like you don't have more than that, and I I don't want to see that. I, um, I... Marco, I don't know if you know this, but um, Joker and Harley Quinn, they're all Batman villains. And uh, nary a Batman was seen in the first film. That's what I'm saying. Right. So we don't need Batman. Like they're not they're not going to do things that way because they're just not going to be a Batman. It, but it's grounded enough like... where the police force is enough to bring these people in. 
but I'm saying I, I want that foil. And and if this not gonna be presented, I don't like I wouldn't want that. Not that it's not gonna be done. I just I don't I don't like that framing. Okay. Fair enough. What if Harvey Dent is Michael Bublé since this is a musical? Oh, oh my god. That's so we keep forgetting weird. this is a musical. Like I'm so ready for this. I'm ready for the court for the court scene to just break out between like the witness and yeah. Like, I want like the sets response. moving too. You know, I want yeah. it to open up. Oh man, I'm cheesed really about fun. this. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 all systems go on this movie. Comic boom. I hated Joker the Joker movie. How it made a billion dollars baffles me. It is good shit. That's why. Oh boy. I've had Joker moments where I, I go back to watch a Joker movie, which is my red flag. But Yeah, and I feel like, you know, classically Harvey gets, you know, the acid thrown on him in a courtroom. This movie presumably will be involving Joker's, you know, problems with the law. It feels like a shoe-in, but we'll see. Yeah. We shall see. Classy Ulysses. Joker 2 is going to save cinema. Tom yeah. Cruise <laughs> as Harvey Dent confirmed. <laughs> Ooh, Tom Cruise? In a musical? Is, is that his way into superhero films? Yeah. No, his way in is just getting paid by WB to say the Flash is good. Yeah. Do you believe that that's what that was? A million percent that's what it was. There's no way Tom Cruise is like, hey, can you let me see that Flash movie early? Not a reality where that can ever. We, can we pay you um, uh, what, maybe a full mill to play this Flash movie in your home cinema? And uh, will you just say it's cool? That's all you have to do. Yeah. You don't even have to play it. Like, just tell people that it's being played. If we, if you'll just let us put the thumb drive into your DVD player, or whatever. Like, uh, well, you know what? Maybe Tom Cruise likes the Flash. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Um, I'm curious though what Tom Cruise would think. About Twilight of the Superheroes. Oh, you had to work for that one, huh? I sure did. <laughs> it was a tough one. I'll, I'll, I'll I sure did. Really get away with it. Thank you. We are going to now get into our presentation of Alan Moore's Twilight of the Superheroes. This is part five of our deep dive. Twilight of the Superheroes, Alan Moore's would be DC event that aimed to establish an endpoint for DC's canon. It first surfaced online around 1995 as a pitch document and has been the subject of debate, scrutiny, and controversy ever since. This is part five of our deep dive into Alan Moore's Twilight of the Superheroes, the greatest story never told in comics. So last week, we began the narrative telling of Twilight of the Superheroes pitch document, and we covered just how the dystopian DC future came to be, the impending between Superboy and Mary Jr., and how their union and the union of the Houses of Steel and Thunder could lead to all-out war. We talked about Nightwing's fear of this outcome and his forming an alliance with the other willing houses, Constantine's behind-the-scenes machinations, how something is off about Captain Marvel, and we learned that the exiled alien factions have a plan to invade Earth with Adam Strange possibly being their way in. That was wild. Yeah. Seda beam action? Fuck yeah. I am super excited for this next chapter. But before I get into it, did any of you have any 
things you wanted to bring up or question or anything like that. I just never Ooh. want to see Dollman again. Yeah, I feel you. So to actually genuinely piggyback off that, um, I just listened to part four uh, before we started the, the show. And uh, Tyler, I think it was Tyler, brought up uh, something to the effect of how deep Alan Moore had to go to find some of these characters, people like uh, uh, Congo Bill and Con- mm. Congo Gorilla and Doll Man um, in the 1980s and before 1980 and um, Crisis, you know, before they told a bunch of everything. The comics publishers were publishing just any old thing. And that's why you have stuff like Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters. So, you know, the, someone at some point brought up like uh, the relevance of these characters. I think uh, Alan Moore would have been the the person, you know, who shovels the shit to get something like Congorilla, you know, and it would have been hyper relevant. He also he also had written a majority of them already, yeah. um, in various different places. I touched on them. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah. I don't know if you have. Sorry, Kill. Go ahead. Uh, and uh, the uh, people, you know, people like Tom Brevoort, who know absolutely everything about Marvel. You know, the editors back then, you know, were insane about that stuff as well. Right. Yeah, they were all Brevoort. Yeah, Tyler. I don't know if you have queued up any of the images that we used from last week. I don't have the ones from last. That's all right. That's all right. Um, I'm going to get into the presentation then. Uh, and you guys can listen along. Again, this is all written by me. This is a narrative uh, interpretation of what Alan Moore wrote. Largely, what I'm saying is what exactly happened. If I'm not putting it together in a way that makes sense for a story. Um, that's the only real, like, uh, editorializing, I guess, that I'm doing. And this was uh, during the 80s, Con Gorilla in a Swamp Thing annual. It's a Brian Bolin cover. Um, like, this was the, the some of the wacky stuff, to Kale, your point, that was being published at the time. All right, here we go. Now that Constantine has learned about the plan to attack the Houses of Steel and Thunder on the day of Superboy and Mary Jr.'s wedding... He realizes that if his plan is to be successful, he's got to act quickly. He engages in a juggling act, making calls and visits to all his key allies within each faction, promising to aid their side in the coming battle. He makes a trip to the House of Tomorrow, where he meets Rip Hunter, who is key to John achieving his goal. Constantine reaches out to the leadership of the Titans and Justice League houses, urging them to go forward with their attack against the Houses of Steel and Thunder. Just after, we see him pay a visit to Captain Marvel, informing him of the coming attack, but asking that he not aid the House of Steel during the battle. Politely, the captain asks John why he would do such a thing, giving the impending unification of their families and houses, to which John simply lights a cigarette, causing the captain to flinch, and tells Marvel that he should know exactly why. Marvel's fear becomes joy on his face, as he agrees to do what John has asked. 
Meanwhile, the Houses of Justice, Titans, and Secrets, that's the villain's house, sends agents into the barrio, hoping to strong-arm the various retired heroes who've made this place their home into aiding their combined might in the coming battle. Some of these foregone heroes join the cause, enthusiastically or otherwise, while others yet secretly align with Constantine, to whom the barrio is also home. Constantine pleads with the secret cabal of Batman, Tarzan, and the other non-powered heroes to hold their attack for a more opportune time. And after hearing Constantine's plan, they agree. All the while, Constantine secretly searches for two individuals within the barrio, one of them being gold of the nearly extinct metal men. John has gone to great lengths to find him, and now that he has, he tricks him into coming out of hiding, and then he melts him down, cruelly killing him. The other, an old man who Constantine is able to finally locate. What are his plans with this old man and the melted-down gold? The wedding day has now come. As Superboy and Mary Jr. say their vows, the onlooking crowd holds their peace to keep their lives, and the parents of the two beweds, Superman and Superwoman, and Mary and Captain Marvel, look on, knowing that this moment cements their power over not just this world, but any world they choose. Pride comes before the fall, and it's at this moment that the combined forces of the Houses of Justice, Titans, and Secrets strike. Though caught off guard, the sheer might of the Houses of Steel and Thunder proves too much to bear, and the losses for their enemies begin to stack up quickly. Superwoman ruthlessly kills her former protege, Wonder Woman, who used to go by Wonder Girl, as the majority of the Titans, Justice League, and villains die in the battle. Go down easily, though, and manage to take a few down with them, including Superwoman herself, who dies at the hands of Captain Adam, and her son, Superboy, who also falls in this war to end all wars. Captain Marvel Jr. and Mary Marvel use the chaos as an opportunity to escape into space where they might be able to live their life peacefully together and are joined by Supergirl, who never wanted any of this. That leaves but two, Superman and Captain Marvel. Superman has been badly beaten, but remains ready for whatever may come, while Captain Marvel is unscathed, having not lifted a finger to prevent or cause any of the violence that lay at their feet. They stand united, waiting for the next stage of this attack, should there be one. Now the air crackles, and the sky is filled with a golden light. Before either hero can look up, the alien horde has arrived on Earth via Zeta Beam. This alliance of lanterns, hawkmen, Martians, and more makes quick work of what's left of the Houses of Justice, Titans, and Secrets, turning their attention now to Superman and Captain Marvel. Even in his weakened state, confident that he and the captain, who, have, who has always been his physical equal, can shut down this invasion and send these invaders' bodies home with a warning. Earth has its rulers. Except that isn't Captain Marvel at all. Horror fills the eyes of Superman as he looks at who he believes to be the captain and watches as the visage falls to reveal Martian Manhunter, Whoa. no longer in disguise. But how? Whoa. 
How could Martian Manhunter, at his best, kill and replace Captain Marvel? He didn't. He killed Billy Batson. Yep. Yep. See, Billy had a problem. He didn't want to be Captain Marvel all the time. He wanted to meet people and live in the world as Billy. Except that while his mind aged and matured, his body did not. He couldn't find a sexual partner in the body of Billy, but he certainly couldn't go trolling the barrio for pleasure as Captain Marvel. So he wore clothes and carried himself to appear as old as possible, leading people to think of him as a little person. His body wasn't mature enough for traditional sex, so he developed a desire for S&M, being tied up, gagged, the whole nine. One night at the barrio, he met a six foot six gorgeous blonde woman who promised him the night of his life. And while he lay in bed, tied and gagged, he watched in disbelief and terror as she changed, becoming the Martian. The gift, he believed the curse, would have been his only way to survive this. But gagged men can't speak, can't say magic words, can't say Shazam. So died Billy Batson. And the plan of the aliens was set into motion. Enraged by the betrayal, Superman kills John Johns with his heat vision. But now the invaders are on him. And Superman fights them with the power and fury of 10,000 suns. It's a battle for the ages as Superman single-handedly fights this army. But the Green Lantern's might is too much for just one Superman to bear. As Superman makes his final stand, Sodom Yacht. The ultimate Green Lantern is able to overwhelm and devastate Superman, killing the Kryptonian turned Earthling and effectively ending the war with the alien coalition victorious and free to rule over Earth unopposed. If not for Batman. What? And that is all. Uh, No! Until next time. Oh, this story is so Alan Moore. It hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was on fire for this until Billy Batson goes to the S and M shop and he disguises himself as a little person. I I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. Oh no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, no. same. I was like typical Alan Moore to try to think. All right, how do I depower Shazam? Well, I got to make him not be able to say Shazam. How can I do that? Ball gag, like. <laughs> jeez <laughs> yeah. so hold on bro, hold on the old bro, man just just have a wank and then r- write the script come on he probably, he probably <laughs> did that's why he's fresh yeah, off yeah, i guess so yeah hmm. <laughs> it's dance is not alec Moore without a sex crime ay, ay, ay. This is interesting. It has spun out much differently than I thought it was going to play out. I like yeah. the interplay. I like the 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 conniving from Constantine. That is that is him um, going around, seeing these people, having these conversations, making allies, uh, backstabbing, like all that fits. And Sean, this was supposed to be the new status quo for the DC Universe, right? No, this is an end point for DC. This is the last DC gotcha. story. But it, but it would have been the main universe, but this is the the end goal of it. 
It is yeah. in continuity, yes. Yeah. It is the main yeah. earth of DC, yes. I wonder why DC said no to this. <laughs> well, everyone keeps saying that, but I don't know why you guys are so sure that they did. We well, haven't talked about that yet. That's true. That's true. But then, like, the the cycle of comics, like, how do you come back from this? They don't. That's the end point. Yeah, that was the yeah. point. But but like like you've not. It, it seems like with all of this, like this battle and everything being done, you do not have your next wave of heroes. Well, God, it's this just, be the it's end just point. lanterns. Yeah, this is and, this is the book of uh, of revelations. You know. Um, uh, but what do you? What do you? I mean, but like, what do you publish after this? Anything. So, a. Again, because this is a, an eventual end, not right. a continuity right now end, it doesn't even matter. But beyond that, everyone has to keep in mind that this is not the script. So yeah. sure. in an earlier episode, we talked about how Alan Moore wanted to introduce new characters and then wanted them, but they he wanted them to appear as not new. So like, yeah, they're new to the reader. But in Twilight of the Superheroes in this future, they've already been heroes. They've been a part of all this. And we're just learning about them now. And then writers that were contemporary at that time could then take those characters that were old in Twilight and introduce them in mainline continuity as new, fresh-faced. But we would know how things end for them. DC's been doing the same thing for Kingdom Come for years. Yeah, sure. And Sodom Yacht is an Alan Moore creation, right? Yes. Yeah. Sodom Yacht so, debuted oh, in a in a lantern annual. Yeah. Yep. And so I like that's, how that's why like him keeping his boys, you know, he's feeding feeding his guys there. And it's actually a resolution of a question that was asked in that very um annual, where the implication is that Sodom Yacht is supposed to be the savior of the universe, huh. but he ends up the prophecy says that he ends up failing and a lot of people weren't sure what would end up happening. And this moment is suggesting that he accomplishes that goal. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's brought up in the Sodom Yacht story because that's kind of the inverse of the storytelling here. Instead of showing us the end point, it's, I mean, I guess it is showing us an end point. Yeah. And how do we get there from Oh, that's like right. a it's like a proto Twilight of the Superheroes. That one story, in a way, in a sense, yes, interesting. So this, so this will, this is the end of Sodom Yacht. However, things go next week or next time, because we're not doing this next week. Um, however, things go next time, we will know whether Sodom Yacht succeeds or fails at what he's supposed to be doing. Man, why did Gold get jobbed out like that, though? Knowing Alan we Moore, he's gonna out. he's gonna get uh, melted down into a cock ring or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was fascinated by the Martian Manhunter flip. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, unfortunately, in the pitch documented, in the pitch document, it's not presented in a way that's like, oh my god, like it's kind of more matter of fact. Um, but it's so crazy that he went that way and used the Martian like that. You almost forget about that character, um, yeah. because it's like, well, he's an alien. He's obviously exiled. So what? Um, perfect usage of that character, I thought. Hmm. Did you guys catch, did anybody catch when I said the cigarette lighting and how Captain Marvel 
flinched. Oh, yeah, I caught it. Now, went, mm, what does that what mean? That is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he doesn't like fire. Okay, right. Uh, that makes so much sense. Okay, mm-hmm. damn, that's good. Yeah, and I guess the Martian Manor would still have a super strength and flight, right? Too. So you'd be he's, able to. He's uh, he's always been equal to Superman. Oh yeah, it, physically and physically. And that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Does he have yeah. laser eyes too? He has. Yeah. But Shazam yeah, doesn't, so he wouldn't have that power. Okay, he, yeah, he'd be able to masquerade as Shazam pretty easily. Especially if he's, all he's doing is like posturing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, there's no battles. The No one's fighting until this, the wedding day fight. So he didn't even need to physically exert himself. He just needs to be Captain Marvel. Yeah. But in, in earlier episodes, we talked about how Captain Marvel was acting differently. All of a sudden, he was nice. He cared to spend time with his family. That's which, right, yeah. Right, it's because it wasn't Captain Marvel. He was replaced. Uh... It never was. Did they yeah. say how he kills Billy Batson, or he just he just kills him? He just kills him. I mean, he's it's a child that's gagged. You kill him any way you kill him. Slowly. Yeah, you, said, you said that very matter-of-factly, Sean. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the, the nitty-gritty of how he kills how, a kid. How else would you kill a gagged child? I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> the gold has to be something with, like, Dr. Fate. I was even thinking... Um, uh, old man, like Phantom Stranger, like his gold medallion. Spectre, I was thinking. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a cool guess. Harris guessed uh, Dr. Fate in the Twitch mm. chat. Huh. This is so fun. God, so my fun. first my first thought was actually, because I, I while you were talking, I forgot about the Green Lantern angle. I, uh, I thought it might be like a weird Sinestro connection. Mm. Oh, the gold. The gold, yeah. Oh, Why? yeah. Because they're weak against literally them. just the color. <laughs> yeah, but that's something Alan would do. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's already isn't he? Isn't he in this universe reformed? Sinestro? Yeah, is he not? Is he not part of the Green know. Lanterns or something now? He no. might be part of the villains because at this point that wouldn't have. Uh, uh, he wouldn't have been, uh, uh, you know, the yellow wouldn't be a, a whole emotional spectrum. He he would have been as powerful as Captain Cold. Yeah, unless and, he's the old man that you know they were looking for. Yeah, I can't wait until you guys find out what's uh, up with that what old, the old man. man be? It's so cool. What if it's like so an anti monitor or something? I've been uh, trolling comic book scripts for a um uh. My professor wants to kind of get into writing graphic novels and stuff, so I've been showing him examples of how comic book scripts are written, and I've seen this pitch document in, you know, a link to it. I almost went for it. Ooh, I almost <laughs> went for it. <laughs> Classy Ulysses says, don't end it, keep going. It's so good. You know, I got, but we got to have something to look forward to. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like we've got... Two more, uh, two more Twilight of the Superhero editions or Twilight of the Superheroes. Yeah, two more editions, one more to close out the narrative, and then probably one last one to have a final rap conversation. I really want to answer questions, but but I also want to do what I've been teasing the entire time, which is get into the reality of this because there is a whole other side to this story that we haven't yet discussed, Hmm. including some internet forum conversations between 
people who initially saw this pitch document and what they thought about this in the mid-90s. I'm always fascinated about stuff like that. Yo, those internet forums in the 90s, people were very candid on those because they didn't realize, yeah. you know, like, oh, this would still be available in 2023. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was we've got essentially just, uh, you know, just letters between friends. We've got more to go. We've got a, a lot more to go. I hope you guys are enjoying it still. Um, you know, this is so much fun to do. And I enjoy you know, writing these a lot. It's so much fun for me and keeping you guys on the edge of your seats and stuff. Um, getting to flex my creative muscles a little bit. So this has been a blast. It's been an absolute blast. Sean, the the value has been there. These these Patreon listeners are are paying for the whole seat and they're only on the edge. <laughs> I like it. Keep submitting your questions and comments. I would love to be able to have a breath of them to address when we reach our conclusion of this, let us know what you thought about this part of the presentation. If you're still in in on it. And if you have ideas for what we should talk about next, like a new presentation, once twilight of the superheroes is over, I don't know what it will be. I don't know when it'll be. I would, I would love to get a deep dive into, uh, Ike Perlmutter's inhumans versus X-Men stuff. Ooh, the scuttlebutt there is. That's one of those where I think some amount of that. Did some amount of that play out while we've been doing this show? I don't remember. I think so. It had to have been because you guys started the show. How like maybe like a month or two months after I started Longbox and I know I was reviewing. Inhumans by soul at that point. So yeah, we've we've touched on some of that. Um, I don't know all the details, so it might be worth looking at. There's I as we've discussed this and people have suggested things. It's like wow, there's actually a lot of stuff that I don't know, and probably a lot of people don't know about. So you you want to be the dark side of the ring for comic books? <laughs> in, in in a certain light, yeah. I don't in mind a that. certain light, yeah. Um, it's just that. I want to make sure that whatever we do next will be as interesting as this. So Hmm. it's going to take some time. That being said, we appreciate you listening. Come next week. We need a big show out next week for the Jeff Johns interview, April 8th, 1 p.m. Eastern. Set your watch to that so that you can come. Listen to this interview. If you enjoyed the first one, pretty confident you'll enjoy the second. Jeff seems to be excited. We're excited. Promising a good show. I can't wait to meet him. Right. Oh, you're not going to be here next week. I am. No, you made not. him question it for a second. <laughs> wait. Yeah, I am. Fuck no, off, Kale. Not. Just uh, if if. If you're on the fence about whether or not you're going to come, just just remember. I'm going to come. So. <laughs> Tyler will be. He's not going to come. Neither is Billy Batson. Um, <laughs> I hope he did in his final moments. It was enough for him. The yeah. Manhunter seems like a, uh, well, they call him the Manhunter, first of all. Yeah. Uh, he seems like he would be charitable enough to at least give him that. Yeah, exactly. 
I don't know if you realize what you're saying right now. I know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> listen, I'm, right. not, I'm not then, proud of it. Then we I'm should probably saying. we should probably just. He's a grown man at that point. Right along and talk about Patreon, where for as little as three dollars a month you can support this podcast, which we appreciate so much. The support that is, um, and you get some bang for your buck. Not the kind of bang that Kale was just talking about. We cannot <laughs> offer you that. Uh, we can't. We can't. We can't. Legally, we, though. We, we legally can't. You can offer anything you want. You legally can't. Join the OnlyFans. But there. we can offer you instead uh, some cool nicknames and shout-outs on the show, an exclusive show palling around where you hear the four of us like you never have before. Um, it's a doozy, we promise. Uh, you get to vote in the book club poll and a whole host of other things. If you if you like exclusive stuff, if you like behind the scenes stuff, patrons are seeing things that we're doing way ahead of the, the regular uh, listeners. So we appreciate just as much. Uh, everybody's, we appreciate everybody. Any way that you can support the show is fantastic. Even if it's just a retweet, a like, you know, all that kind of jazz, we appreciate every single aspect of it. So thank you guys so much for all of that good stuff. Um, Let's get into the plugs. Kale, you're up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at KaleWard.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. And that's it. All right. Marco. You can follow me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I've been following the tiktok hearings uh so come talk to me about that data privacy it affects my job um but also it's just a really interesting topic on what they're trying to do there and oh you mean uh, they're trying to let the the united states chamber of commerce be able to decide who is a foreign foreign enemy and pretty mm -hmm. much declare cyber warfare that's fine uh-huh uh-huh and i didn't know that um during the the same legislation that they're trying to pass it's uh involves the illegalization of vpns yeah. So there's yeah. other stuff yeah. wrapped up in that that I didn't realize. So guys, it's not just TikTok. That's just a cover, really. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, what else? Ooh, and the open letter from all of, uh, well, not all, like 2,000-something people who are in tech um, asking for AI companies to slow down production because of the moral and uh, ethical ramifications there. Fascinating conversation about that kind of stuff. I'm... Uh, I feel like we're freaking out about this narrow AI stuff already, and we're not even close to anything that it the potential of what it is. And it's just been an interesting conversation. Oh, you talk to me about that. Talk to Mark about AI. Yeah, that that's worked for the show before. <laughs> it actually has. It has. Yeah, Tyler. Uh, follow me at the Tyler Olson on Instagram and Twitter. Um, it's April Fool's Day, so there's a lot of weird stuff on the internet. Uh, Marvel announced. I saw this on Twitter. That the uh, Spider-Man Hulk toilet paper roll comic that was a thing. It was a physical toilet paper roll you can get. They had a comic book on the, the thing. Um, no way. They are reprinting that on Marvel Infinity as a digital Infinity comic that you can read vertically on a roll. That's so um, And it's legitimately out there now. So you can do that. Um, and also, uh, it's the one-year anniversary of Morbius. So. Oh, it's Morbid time. As for me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about what tickles your fancy. I am 
all in on WrestleMania tonight. Can't wait. T- tomorrow as well. Let's go, Cody. Let's go, KO Sammy. It's going to be a great night. Uh, let's go, Omos. All, all my Omos sapiens out there. Do you, have a, do, you have a pool? do you have a betting pool, Sean? <laughs> what? Do you have a betting pool for that? Mm, I don't bet. No, just like a friend, like a like a friendly wager pool. Like, oh, you just, you pick off all your who you think is gonna win. I mean, I don't have it with anyone else, but I have it myself. Okay, like in my mind, you know. Maybe I'll post one in the Discord in the in the wrestling thing and see if people yeah. want to fill it out, see who they think is gonna win. Yeah, if you're into um, wrestling, come join our Discord. It should be a fun. I'd, night. I'd recommend checking out Ring of Honor's uh, uh, final battle yesterday. Very good stuff there. Hopefully, you guys thought this was very good stuff. And we appreciate you so much for sticking around and listening. Until next week when we interview Jeff Johns, take care, guys. See you next week.